Podcasts from the Cat. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to the managing director of an established company that's been selling new and reconditioned diesel generators for the last 12 years. By combining customer service with highly trained engineers, FW Power is now one of the largest suppliers of diesel generators in the UK. And on Business Brunch today, we're really pleased to welcome Fabian Ware. Fabian, welcome to the cat and thank you for conducting this interview on the telephone. Morning, Des, uh, and thank you for having me. Uh, Fabian, you had an impressive pedigree in the power gener- in power generating before you incorporated FW Power Limited. Uh, tell us about the jobs as MD of Fiat's power generation and general manager of Cummins PowerGen, and why you decided to give up a regular income to start your own business. Um, two very different roles, really, Dad. Um, Cummins, uh, Cummins is a multi-billion dollar US corporation. Um, I was based in the UK, so at Cummins I got over 100 people working for me across seven UK locations that involved a lot of traveling around the country, a lot of people management, a lot of face-to-face meetings with my employees, uh, and meeting a few customers as well. Um, Fiat was more centered around dealers, uh, a lot less people employed within the business, uh, but again, lots of face-to-face traveling around, lots of meeting with customers, and being an Italian company, lots of traveling over to Italy, generally on a monthly basis to meet up with the, uh, with the vice president. Um, however, for me, I, I'd always dreamed of having my own business. Um, I wanted to run a business my way. Um, I wanted to have a, have a business that was run without any corporate constraints, something that I could say, this is my, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to be a small, nimble business. We're going to go through and we're going to do the things that I think are correct and that I think are right. Um, you know, we're going to give excellent levels of, of customer service. We're going to treat our employees really well. And we're not just going to pay lip service to that, we're actually going to do it. And that, that was my dream, um, and that's what I wanted to do. And yes, it was kind of difficult uh, leaving the, the corporate world. Uh, I'd spent many years in there. Uh, and also, you, uh, I would kind of use the analogy, you almost get trapped in it because you have got this income that's coming in on a regular basis, um, along with all the benefits that go with it, the company car, the pension, the health insurance, and, it, and it's a big step to jump out. But for me, I just knew that I, that I had to do it. Um, I did it quite late on in life. I was 40 years old by the time I took the leap. Um, and I did wonder if I'd left it too late and it would never happen. But uh, one day I decided to go for it. And I wouldn't say we've never looked back because the early days were quite difficult, but we, we certainly haven't looked back today. And from what you've said, it's clear that you felt there were failings in, in some of the companies you've worked for or uh, g- gaps in customer service, etc. And starting your own business gave you an opportunity to plug those gaps. Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, both corporations, whilst ran very, very differently, were similar in certain aspects. I think most corporations, uh, you, you see it, you see the spin, you see them telling you that they offer the best customer service levels going. You see them telling you that they, they treat their employees better than anybody else. The harsh reality of it is that's just actually not the way it is. I think it might be the way that they want to 
uh, feel it is. But in practice, that just doesn't happen. And you tend to get a lot of demotivated employees. It's almost, you know, the, the, the corporate world, it takes a little bit of individualism out of you. Um, I remember at Cummings, we had a very, very good core team of people. And they were a good core team because we had that level of individualism. And I really promoted that. I wanted that in them. And every single one of those has subsequently left there and, and actually set up their own businesses and is doing very well. And you tend to find, you know, other people, they, they're in there for years and years and years, and you have to follow the corporate approach. And, and I get that. You know, these are big businesses. They, you know, they employ 20,000, 30,000 people. You've got to have a structure in them to make them work. And that, that clearly works for them because they're, they're incredibly successful companies that have been going for you know, not just tens of years, but uh, hundreds of years. So I, I get why it works for them, and I, I get why they, they need to do it that way. Uh, but for me, though, I wanted something that was, that was smaller, more manageable, controllable, nimble, and, you know, we could do all of the things that I, that I discussed without playing lip service to it. We really could go the extra mile for our customers, and not only that, we can go the extra mile for our employees as well without any constraints. Uh, and you've clearly done that. So tell us about the transferable skills that you developed whilst working in industry uh, and which of those were most useful when you were establishing your own business. Yeah, I would say uh, you know, most of those transferable skills were all about the people. Um, not the courses that I went on, not about the management training, but actually learning from the people that you had within the businesses. Um, because they, they were so large and diverse, you got this wonderful array of different people uh, with different skill sets and different backgrounds, uh, lots of different characters, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly and that. Um, you had good managers, you had bad managers. You got people that, that weren't managers and yet the for, workforce went to them for advice. So if you walk through that with your eyes open, you, you start to see and learn from these people and really understand you know, what makes them so good at what they do. Why are they so good at people? Why are they so good at motivating people? And if you then you know, can start to learn and adapt a little bit from, from each of those individuals, um, you, you start to make yourself more of a rounded individual and then you, know, you can implement those, those yourself. And, and that, that sounds a little bit practical. It almost sounds like you watch somebody, you, you learn and then you implement, which of course isn't how it happens. You know, this is a, almost a molding process that takes years. And, and I would say that was the most valuable thing that you, you pick up from big companies is just that diversity of people. Whereas, you know, in a smaller company, you've got much less people. Perhaps you don't see it as much. Uh, you see the individualism, but, you know, you, you haven't got a, a thousand people to be looking at. Um, so, yeah, that is probably the biggest thing that, that you kind of pick up. And you just see how different people act in different situations and uh, how they implement that. And some from a people perspective, but some from a, from a business perspective. I had a very sort of good manager many years ago, not from those two companies, from a company I worked for beforehand, where in business he would never let a no be a no. Uh, you know, he'd always look, it didn't matter if somebody told him no 10 times, he'd always look to improve his situation and push them through to a yes. And so learning from these individuals is, is just absolutely vital. And do you think big business 
becomes obsessed with processes and, and tends to lose track of the fact that it's people that are actually running the business. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. Big business is very process-orientated, incredibly process-orientated. Uh, and to an extent, as I said before, they almost have to be because of the, the size of the business and the amount of people that they're, they're trying to manage. Um, if you let the individualism come out, it's uh, you know it's not necessarily a free for all, but it'd be really difficult to uh, to manage that process. Um, you know, I I tend to find if you've got really really good people and they know what they're doing, you don't necessarily need to write the process down because you know that they're going to be doing it day in day out. It's very useful to write a process down where you need to to have a backup in place. So if you're for instance, entering something onto a computer system and there's a certain way of going about it, then of course that's very useful to process that down because if that person isn't in one day or leaves the business, you've then got a, a blueprint of what somebody else can do. Um, but big business tends to go a little bit further than that and really wants to you know, to, to hone you down in so many areas of the, of the business. Um, and as I say, I, I understand it. Um, I get it. I know why they do it. Um, I just prefer myself to have a little bit of something that's smaller where we can have the individuals come through and just show their, show their individual strengths and weaknesses and then we can work on those. Uh, Fabian, uh, tell us about some of the core services that uh, FW Power delivers. I mean, you've already mentioned the fact that, that you're heavily involved in power generating, but... Um, these generators that you sell, then they're not like those toy ones that we all use in the back garden. And how? Tell us how you've refined your offering since two thousand and eight. Yeah, sure, Dad. So the um, yeah the, the core business, diesel generators, new use, service and maintenance. And as you say, yeah, they're not the little ones that go in a, a back garden. Some of our generators are twenty or thirty tons. So you know they're they're big beasts of of equipment. Um, we're generally about 80% in the UK, 20% export, but within that export over the years, we, we've exported to over 60 countries, uh, America, Australia, Sudan, Nigeria, the Middle East, pretty much any country or area that you can think of, we've probably put a generator there at, uh, at some stage. Um, when, when we started the business um, with, our, with our used generators, you know, we, we used to pretty much just get them in and we'd do a quick test on them and, and we'd send them out. But now, you know, we've refined that completely over the years. Uh, you know, what we used to do 10, 12 years ago is a, is, a, is a long way gone from what we do now. So now we take in a used piece of equipment. We do a 75-point service and inspection check on it. That alone can take us three to four days to complete. We do full load tests on them. And this is kind of what makes us a little bit different because nobody in the industry tests their used equipment the way that we test our used equipment. And that enables us to sell a superior product at, uh, at superior quality. Um, and the same really goes for the service and maintenance side. Yeah, a few years ago, we, uh, it wasn't really a key part of the business. Uh, we didn't give it the attention that it deserved. Whereas today, it's highly organized, it's highly efficient. We do more checks than anybody else when we, uh, we go and do a service visit. 
and that enables us to basically give our customers uh, almost a service guarantee. They they know that when we go in there, we're going to do a good job. We're going to solve a lot of the little niggly problems that are about, and we're always there to support them. And and that's kind of where we are as a business. Okay, uh, Fabian, you you had a rocky start when you first uh, incorporated. And as they say, we only learn in the face of adversity. So talk us through the early years uh, and share with us some of the business milestones over the last 12 years. Yeah, sure. I mean, that phrase, we only learn in the face of adversity. Um, I was also given a similar one a few years ago, which is through adversity comes opportunity. And when I started the business, so at the time, I, I'd never touched a used generator in my life. It was always new equipment, new generators, new engines. Um, and I kind of had this naive view that when I was starting my, my business, the whole world had been waiting for Fabianware at FW Power to get going. So I, I spent three months setting up um, uh, all of the email addresses of all of the people I've met over the years. And in the end, there was about 5,000 email addresses that I, that I compiled. Um, and I sent them out one night. Um, as I say, it took me three months, and I built the website. I built all the documentation to, to support it. And I sent these 5,000 emails out, just you know, expecting the flood of orders to, uh, to come in. And I got 11 replies and absolutely no sales. Um, and in fact, we didn't sell a single product for six months. And that was quite difficult. Um, for many years in the corporate world, I'd told people how to run their part of the business. And now all of a sudden, here, here I am running my own business. And quite frankly, yeah, I felt I was failing at it because we, well, we weren't doing what we were supposed to do. We, we weren't selling anything. And then one day, we, out of the blue, we got an inquiry for a used generator. And I knew nothing about used generators, but I got quite a bit of time on my hands at this stage. We weren't selling anything. So I hunted around to, to find a used generator. I found one and I sold it. Um, and then the same client wanted another one, so we sold them another one. And then we managed to get another sale. So then we started to look at it, and I thought, uh, maybe there's a business here in used generators. Um, so, yep, spent a lot of time looking at used generators, but the business really changed the day that we understood Google. And we understood how Google worked from an SEO perspective, uh, search engine optimization, and also from Google AdWords on pay-per-click. And once we started to do that and do it right, uh, which wasn't the early days because my, my first uh, entry into pay-per-click, I spent quite a bit of money and again, I got zero phone calls. But once we learned how to do it, then yeah, that changed, uh, that changed the business because we weren't an invisible business anymore in the UK. We, we were there on the web and people could call us up and they knew what we were offering and then we could start to offer them a service. Well, certainly interesting that uh, pay-per-click was a milestone uh, and the fact that, that you've uh, come to terms with it. You're listening to a podcast from The Cat. Today we're talking to Fabian Ware from FW Power Limited. Um, Fabian, uh, according to your website, your business was founded on ambition, hard work and trust. And it's clear the business is customer focused and that you set yourself very high standards. 
So share with us how you keep your team trained, informed and motivated. Uh, yes, of course. Um, of all the things in business, this is probably the area that I've, uh, I've never really found it that difficult to achieve. And, um, and the reason being is that with my employees, I involve them. I listen to them. You know, ultimately, I run the business. So decisions come down to, to me. But when it comes down to the thought process behind those decisions, everybody's opinion is equally as important as mine. We've all got strengths. I've got my strengths. I've got my weaknesses. So have my employees. Some are very organized. Some are very technical. Others have a creative flair. Some are real people. people uh, you know, they, they love interacting face-to-face. And we, we use those strengths. We tap into them, we involve people, we listen with empathy, and we act on their concerns. And if you do that, honestly, it's not that difficult to motivate people because they want to be there. They want to offer. They, they want to assist. They want to push forward because they, they feel that they're, they're just part of, a, part of a team and we're all going in the same direction. Um, so for me, the people motivation side, I think that's absolutely fundamental and key. The same really goes with the training. Now, I sit there and I ask my employees, where do you need assistance? Where do you think you're good? Where do you think that you could do with a little bit of, of support and help? And in with that, I add in my, my own thoughts into the process and, and between us, we have a discussion about which training is going to be undertaken. There's, there's no top-down enforcement. You need to do this because I think you need to improve in that area. That's not how it works in my business. We, 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 have, a, we have a discussion, um, and that way we come up with, with the best solution. And then, you know, the employees, they buy into it as well because they know that I'm interested in them, I'm interested in helping them. I'm interested in them getting better, and by them getting better, naturally they they make the business better. And from all the experience I've had with talking to business owners, empowering your staff is singularly the most effective way of creating a cohesive team. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely fundamental. Um, and that comes down to a number of uh, factors. You, to empower your staff, you've got to have trust in them. So they have to be the right person for, their, for the job. But over the years, I've employed lots of people, and unfortunately, I've, I've had the situation where I've had to remove people from a business as well. That doesn't necessarily mean that then, you know, they're not a good person. Doesn't necessarily mean they're not good at a job. Maybe just the job that they're in isn't quite suited to them. So if you've got the right people in there that, that you trust, then yes, you can empower them and you can let them almost get on with it around broad guidelines. And that's probably the difference there to what we, we touched on earlier when it comes to large corporations who are very process-driven and process-orientated. And I would say I'm not process-driven or process-orientated. I'm people-driven and I'm people-orientated. And we get a really good result because of that. And, and I would agree with that entirely. And what you end up with is a business that you can stand back from and that virtually runs itself. And, and Yeah, and, and that is kind of the goal. Um, is to move away from the, the day-to-day as much as possible. And that, and that can be quite difficult. Uh, I think you know, most people who set up their own business, 
um, are control freaks to a certain extent. Uh, you, you don't set it up if, uh, if you're not interested in everything that's going on. So it takes quite a while to be able to take that step back. And that only comes through the, the trust and working with your employees over the years. But when you can do that, it, you know, it's great. Uh, so now it's my business now. I don't really know exactly what's going on on a day-to-day basis. I don't know what some of my engineers are working on today. Uh, and that's good because I know they're working on the right things. Well, you can see that by the numbers, can't you? Yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, Fabian, tell us what makes FW Power sufficiently different to your competitors uh, and how you ensure that you continue to grow your market share. Yeah, I think we touched on this a little bit before, really. Um, Yeah, you have. I quite agree. I know know there's a little bit of overlap there, but I was just curious to see if there were any other aspects of the firm that you felt were sufficiently different. Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, from the the product perspective, as we've spoken about, is that the level of testing that we do is very different. Um, And that, from from purely a product perspective, puts us at a different level to our competition. But... Again, it comes back to our people. The skills of our people are incredible and that allows us to find solutions. Uh, we, we never let our customers down. Um, I'll give you, you know, kind of almost a silly example, really. So you know, every Friday, I give my senior engineer the option to work from home if he wants to and research anything um, that he feels he's unsure of or where he could advance his skills. I don't know many businesses that give their employees the freedom to do that. And that makes us different because that means we're constantly learning and we're constantly uh, progressing. In terms of market share, that really doesn't mean too much to me. I'll let the big corporations strive for that. Um, For me, sales are vanity, profit is sanity. I'd much prefer to have you know, a business that does 2 million turnover and makes half a million than a business that does 10 million and makes uh, 250K. Um, you know, I don't want to be a busy fool. And again, that comes down to uh, the people. That comes down to ensuring that we make a good profit. And then when we make a good profit, we, we can invest, invest that. And we can invest it in tools. Where we can invest it in new phones for our engineer. We can invest it in new equipment. We can invest it in training. We, we can invest it in marketing. And we, we can try something that we've never tried before and just see, see how it pans out. So we're, we're, yeah, we, we never stand still. We're constantly moving forward. We're, we're in very difficult times at the moment. But we're constantly thinking about... What can we do do differently? How can we improve ourselves? How can we offer a better service? How can we improve the life of our engineers? Uh, and yeah, hopefully all of that eventually finds its way down into the bottom line and, and into profit. Uh, Fabian, um, refurbishing second-hand generators is an important part of your business, but uh, collecting these machines isn't always straightforward. Tell us about the difficulties you had to overcome collecting a generator from a city centre high-rise building. Yeah, sure. Um, And actually, before I say about that, um, it's not just collecting them, it's actually finding them. That's the hardest part of my business, is finding the used generators to to sell on. And uh, and that's where Google comes in again. 
But in, in terms of, uh, yeah, removing generators, we, we get some interesting jobs, some complicated jobs. The one that, that you're talking there, actually the removing of the generator itself was relatively easy. It was a 130-ton crane, a lorry, um, and uh, a f- quite a few people. The, the problem was, was that the, the, the access was difficult. And the only way to access this was through Manchester Piccadilly bus station. Um, and there was also a question about the structural integrity of the road. Uh, that might seem to sound a little bit odd, um, because you've got buses going through there every single day. But a fully laden bus is about 25 tonnes. Um, that's a lot different than a 130-tonne crane sitting on it. So we had to undertake structural testing. We had to review the services under the ground. And then ultimately, we, we had to close the bus station at 11 p.m. one night and undertake the lift at, uh, I think it was circa 1 a.m. So, again, the, the process wasn't that difficult. What was difficult was the many departments and the many companies that we had to interface with um, to be able to get the job done. Uh, and believe it or not, from start to finish, that whole process um, took about two and a half years. But for me, the planning side really involving the departments, it still took nine months. So yeah, actually getting it out wasn't that difficult. The, uh, the, the planning process was, was difficult. Uh, and then there was the, the odd problem of the odd drunk in Manchester who wouldn't stand behind the cordoned off process. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, apart from that, we, we managed to get it out okay. It's um, absolutely amazing that, that it came down from 20 stories. I mean, just moving the thing must have been a, a logistical nightmare. Because it was so high up, and then the leverage of the, the crane. The actual machine itself was relatively light. Uh, I think it only weighed about seven or eight tons. Um, but just to be able to do that, as I said, with the, uh, you're with the height that you're at, with the, uh, the, the lever of the crane, I'm sure a lot of the guys at the, the technical college would be able to work it out better than I could actually work it out. But when you start to get into that, uh, you know, the, the, the moment, and that, that load there, and that point load, um, starts to get quite heavy so you need an exceptionally large crane to, to be able to do it okay is that something that you're doing fairly regularly do you find that access is is the issue when you're t- taking these things off site it, it really does vary um i mean today we've got a generator coming out and that's as simple as a, as a high ab going in to pick it up a high ab is a uh, is basically a lorry with a crane on the back of it nice and simple the lorry will go in it'll sit up next to it and i'll pick the generator up and take it back to our yard so that that that's really simple a lot of times you know we'll find generators in basements um, and then over the years, they've had buildings built around them, and that then can become quite difficult of how do you get them out. Uh, and these can be 20-ton generators. And, you, you know, you sit there thinking, okay, how are we going to do that? We've maybe got to move it 150 yards before we can even get it to a crane. So we, we, we've got a lot of specialist equipment to enable us to do that. We've got highly skilled engineers and, you know, what's, to somebody outside of the business seems incredibly complicated. A bit like if I walked into your studio, I'd look at a load of buttons and I wouldn't have a clue what to do. Uh, whereas to yourself, you know, it's, uh, it's probably all second nature. You've been doing it for that long. And, it, and it's the same, same with us. You know, we, we've been doing it for that long now. We kind of know what to do. And yes, we have to think about things. Um, and, but we always, always find a solution. 
Good. So uh, no business can stand still. Um, so tell us what the future holds for the industry uh, and more specifically FW Power Limited. Yeah, the, the industry, well, we're, uh, we're in difficult times at the moment. Um, so I would expect uh, the industry, because it's capital equipment, where we're going to be flat as a pancake uh, for the next uh, certainly three months and potentially longer. Um, but people always need power, so it will pick up. Um, how long that takes is, is very unknown at the moment. Generally, the trends throughout the world is the requirement for more power. Um, the requirement for more power means the requirement for, for more generators. Renewables will start to come in more, not necessarily renewables the way we see it at the moment. There will be advances on that. Battery technology is going to change massively over the next few years. And, you know, here I'm talking about large-scale uh, battery technology. Uh, when, when you look at renewables, it, it, you know, it's great having solar panels, the sun shines, and there you go, you've got your power. The problem is it's often not available at the time that you really need it. Um, you know, if the sun's shining at 2 o'clock and nobody needs the power at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, then all that's pretty much wasted. Whereas battery technology is a game-changer. Uh, that enables you to, to store that, and then it enables you to slowly release it into the system. Um, but again, they're, they're infinite, so they don't have an infinite capacity. Um, so you will always have to rely on, on diesel generators. It's the only proven way, diesel or gas generators, it's the only proven way to provide power long term. So you know, every hospital that you've got has got generators in there, multiple of them, so that if the mains goes down, these generators can support that. And and you see it everywhere. We, we've got ge our generators at Birmingham New Street Rail Station. Uh, they're sat there just purely as backup. They, they don't run unless the mains goes down, and then, uh, you know, they're, they're there to effectively provide the power. So that's kind of the industry from FW Power's perspective. Uh, we'll continue to do what we're good at. Uh, we'll continue with our used generator business, which is by far the largest part of the business. But we're also growing our, our new generator business. We're growing our, our service sales. Um, personally, after 27 years within the business, in the next five years, I want to take much more of a backseat and hand over the running of the business to, to the employees, uh, with kind of, you know, an agreed profit share between them. So, guys, if you've got any listeners who are highly talented, highly motivated, please ask them to get in touch because we will be uh, be recruiting. Well, I'm sure if there's anybody listening uh, and they feel they're suitable, they're, they're going to get in touch with you straight away. Uh, and that brings us to our last question, Fabian. Tell us how people can get in touch with you, the name of the website and telephone numbers, etc. Yeah, sure. So easiest way is always to go to our website. So that's fwpower.co.uk, uh, F for Foxtrot, W for Whiskey, the word power. If you go onto there, um, you can read a lot of information about our company. It's also got a contact us in there. So there's many email addresses, sales at fwpower.co.uk. Uh, and then the local number is 01270. 821419 and please feel free to get in touch with us. Fabian, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today and uh, we wish you all the best for the future at FW Power and, and to the employees and thanks for coming on the cat today. 
Yeah, thanks very much, Dad. It's been my pleasure and it's been great to be on the show. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.